appreciate that tonight. Isaiah chapter 28, your Bibles this evening. Isaiah chapter 28, yep, I'm sorry, thank you for that. Isaiah chapter 28. Did you enjoy this morning? Man, I did. I'm still not over this morning. Man, oh man, what a thought, what a truth this morning. I appreciate the substance that the, that the Word of God gave us this morning. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, church. I'm not going to give you substance tonight. <laughs> we got all of our substance this morning. And, uh, but I, I do believe I'm going to give you the message that God's laid on my heart tonight. And, um, but it's just something I believe that needs to be said. And so it won't be very deep, and we're not going to give you a lot of points and things like that. Um, we'll use the screens toward the toward the end of the message a little bit more, uh, but I, I want to I want to try to help you tonight. And uh, Isaiah chapter twenty eight, your Bibles. When you find your place, if you'll stand with us tonight, if you're able to stand, out of respect for God's the reading of God's word, Isaiah chapter twenty eight, and uh, verse number one. I you know we use this. If you were at our marriage retreat this year, we used Isaiah twenty eight as our theme. Our, our theme chapter, theme verse. And, uh, and then as I was getting ready in Isaiah chapter 20, as I was getting ready for the retreat, God gave me a message out of Isaiah 20. I preached it here. And then last week we were in Tennessee at the marriage retreat and Brother Cardwell wanted us to sort of carry along that same, that same line. So I was back in Isaiah 28 again and God began to deal with my heart again about a message and uh, totally unrelated to marriage uh, well, sort of. Uh, and so, Isaiah 28, verse number one. The Bible says, and I want you to really follow the words here. The Bible says, Woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which are on the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. And you'll notice there's an exclamation mark there that shows there's some passion here. Behold, the Lord hath a mighty and strong one, which is a tempest of hail and a destroying storm as a flood of mighty waters overflowing shall cast down to the earth with the hand. The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim shall be trodden under feet. And the glorious beauty, which is on the head of the fat valley shall be a fading flower. Twice he said that. And as the hasty fruit before the summer, which when he that looketh upon it seeth while it is yet in his hand, he eateth it up. In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty under the residue of his people and for a spirit of judgment to him that sitteth in judgment and for strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink are out of the way. Look at this. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. Even the religious folks were involved in this. I heard somebody say not long ago, they said, our preacher says, okay, drink beer. Now, the only problem with that is that usually in leadership, the followship sets its high example at the low example of the leadership. And so if the pastor gets in the pulpit and says, okay, drink beer, what's the church members drinking? Is that right? And so we notice here even the religious people, the religious leaderships involved, the priest and the prophet have, have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up. Notice this. They are swallowed up of wine. They are 
out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all tables are full of vomit and filthiness. Look what he says, church. So that there is no place clean. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Wow, what a scripture. What a, what a prophesying. Isaiah's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of course, but man, he's giving the work, he's giving the word of the Lord here and These folk don't want to hear it. And Isaiah is just telling it. He's just telling it like it is. He's just being very honest. And I'm going to be honest, church. That's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm just going to be very honest. I'm not going to pull a lot of punches tonight. I'm just going to sort of give it to you. You know, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down, but we're not not going to put any sugar in the spoon tonight, and we're just going to give you straight. We're just going to give it to you straight tonight. Amen? And... uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about what you see on the screen there tonight, a warning about worldly teachers. A warning about worldly teachers. I am, uh, and I say this in love, but I am sick and I am tired of seeing our good young people come to this church for several years and then fall into the trap of the world. I mean, after they've heard uh, a pastor pour his heart out to them and after they've heard Sunday school teachers teach a lesson and pray for them and try to invest in them, after they've had bus workers that every single week are faithful to a bus route and try to bring them in and try to love them to the Lord and, and try to be a blessing to them and then to see these young people turn right around and, and swallow hook, line, and sinker what the world has to offer. And I think as your pastor, I think it's time I say something about it tonight. And I'm going to say something about it tonight. We're, not, we're going to be bold tonight. Not, not, over, not too bold, but we're going to be bold tonight. And so I want you to, to hear me tonight. Let's pray and we'll jump right into the Bible study tonight. Father, thank you for the good day. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Thank you for so great salvation. And thank you for your word. And Heavenly Father, right now, the best I know how I stand behind this word. And I pray that, that uh, Lord, that it's not these words, my, my personal words or this preacher that will go forth tonight, but I do pray the words of God will go forth tonight. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that like a conduit, I pray that that maybe you could, as I yield myself to you, I pray that you will flow through me, and I pray that you will bless your people tonight. Lord, help some young person to keep from, from believing the lies of the devil, the wicked one, and going in the wrong way. I pray tonight, Father, that you would steer us clear of destruction and, and heartache down the road. And so, Lord, bless our time together. We love you, Lord, please. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. And for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. It's interesting here. The Bible is, I believe, really painting a picture for us concerning 
the society in that day and time, in, in Isaiah's day and time, the society of Judah. According to what Isaiah is saying here, they've allowed some very serious strongholds to come into their, uh, into their life. In fact, according to what we read tonight, Isaiah chapter 28, they're not, they've not just allowed alcohol to come into their life, but according to what Isaiah is saying here, they're totally overcome by alcohol. In fact, inspiration gives us a very vivid picture of just how bad it is. I mean, this is not just sort of bad. This is really serious. We notice in, in uh, verse number eight, Isaiah said, for all tables are full of vomit and filthiness so that there is no place clean. I mean, listen, these folk are so sick. You ever been around a throwing up drunk? I mean, I hate to put it like that, but that's, that's what Isaiah's saying. I mean, somebody that just drinks so much that their body can't contain it anymore and they get sick and they begin to regurgitate uh, the alcohol and everything that's in their system. And that's the picture that, that the Holy Spirit is painting for us right here. And he's saying, man, they're so overcome with alcohol and they're, they're erring through alcohol. They're, they, they've got this stronghold in their life so much so. And not only the people, but the priests and the prophets. And uh, in fact, he said, it's so bad. He said, everywhere you go, there's vomit and there's filthiness and people are sick and they're throwing up and, and there's not a table that's clean. Uh, I mean, he's saying, man, it is, it, is, it is that bad in our society at this time. But that is not the amazing part of the story. The part of the story that is amazing is that even though Judah is literally falling apart, we find them trying to instruct Isaiah on how to prophesy. I read that the other day, and it's almost laughable. I mean, they're strung out. They're throwing up everything they have. There's, everywhere you go, there's vomit, there's puke, there's filthiness. I mean, they're drunk out of their minds. They can't make right decisions. If it had been in our day and time, they, they're racking up DUIs, and they can't stay out of jail, and, and they're in problems, uh, you know, having problems with the law. And yet, and yet here God's man, God's prophet comes on the scene, and those who are literally falling apart come on the scene and try to begin to tell God's man how to do what he ought to do. Look at it, if you will. Isaiah 28, verse 7. Isaiah said, but they have also erred through wine and through strong drink are out of the way. <laughs> the priest and the prophet have, have erred through strong drink. He said they're swallowed up of wine. In other words, it's literally overcome them. He said they're, they're, they're out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. And then he says, for all tables are full of vomit and filthiness so that there is no place clean. And then verse nine, look at verse nine. Then the Bible says, whom shall he teach knowledge? Now, most scholars believe that, that this is the, the uh, Israelites, the people that he just talked about who are totally overcome of wine. This is them mocking the man of God. And, uh, and they say, whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, uh, here a little and there a little. Verse 11, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. In other words, in other words, what they're saying is this, that Isaiah, your preaching is so shallow. 
You're prophesying is, is, is so shallow. It's the same thing over and over, precept upon precept, line upon line. You give us the same points all the time. You preach the same truths all the time. And then on top of that, you make it so simple that really the only people this is good for is little kids. That's what they're saying. Those that, are, those that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast, in other words, in other words, really, the only preaching that you're preaching is good for are little babies. Now, my point tonight is this. They don't have their act together, yet they're critical of others who are doing right and trying to instruct them on how to live. I want you to get this so bad tonight. And this is not going to be a long sermon tonight, I don't think, unless the Lord changes our direction. But when I read this, I'm just, I am just, what's the word, bum-fuzzled? I'm just, I mean, I, I'm trying to make sense of this. I mean, here's this drunk. Here's this drunk who can't even, who can't even stand up. I mean, he's, he's staggered. He's so drunk. And yet he's trying to tell Isaiah's totally sober. Man, he's not drunk. He don't drink. I mean, buddy, he's just doing the work of God, speaking the words of God. God's giving him wisdom. God's giving him power. And here's this drunk trying to tell the man of God how he ought to preach, how he ought to prophesy. I wrote this down. It's the tail wagging the dog instead of the dog wagging the tail. It's the drunkard trying to tell others how to be sober. It's the prostitute trying to tell others how to be moral. It's the drug addict trying to pipe up and tell others how to be clean. <laughs> it don't even make any sense. It's like a guy walking up, he's got, drug, he's got needle tracks all up and down his arms. And, I mean, he's totally blown his veins out, and so now he's shooting up between his toes, and, and, uh, and he blows those veins out, so he has to start shooting up between his teeth. And, uh, and by the way, I'm not joking about that. It gets that bad. And, uh, and now he's so, he's so on drugs and meth and crack that now he's seen these crack bugs, and he's scratching himself. And, and uh, you, look at these, uh, you look at these mug shots, uh, that Arundel County puts up and you see these people and their hair's all messed up and they've got scab here and a scab here and a scab here and a scab here and you say, what is that preacher? That's called meth bugs and crack bugs and they get so, uh, they get so blown out of their brains on drugs they begin, to, they begin to see little bugs under the skin and they start scratching, uh, scratching, trying to get those little bugs out and here's this crack addict that comes up and says, let me tell you how to be clean. It's the, it's the failure trying to tell others how to be successful. It's the dropout trying to tell others how to graduate. It's the sick trying to tell others how to be healthy. It's the uneducated trying to tell others how to be intelligent. <laughs> and I said all that to say this. If you think for a second it's changed since Isaiah's day, oh no, it hasn't. We are living in the same exact day to day. We live in a society that is following the same plan, the same plot, if you will, a society that is literally falling apart. <laughs> I mean, they, they don't have the answer. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They've got unbelievable strongholds in their life. I mean, they're so blown out on alcohol and drugs and immorality. And I mean, buddy, their lives are literally coming apart scene by scene. But yet, but yet, you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to tell everybody else how to live. And especially Christian people. And, and, uh, and, and so here's this guy that's just, I mean, literally, literally his life's falling apart. And yet they're trying to tell our kids how to live their life. 
doesn't make any sense. But here's the part that really doesn't make any sense is that we're buying into it, lock, stock, and barrel. <laughs> Would somebody explain that to me? My wife and I have had that conversation here recently. How can you have, listen, how can you have a daddy that loves God and a mama that loves God and a daddy and a mama who work hard and have a good living and have a good home and have made a, a good, solid home for you, how can you have something like that and then grow up and ruin your life and go, and go start dating some kind of a pauper? That not make any sense. I mean, you got a, amen, am I okay tonight? I mean, you got a daddy that, that looks nice and tries to take care of himself and, and gets a haircut every now and then and, and tries to shave and, and tries to look like he's somebody and tries to go to work and works 40, 50, 60 hours a week and, and tries to bring in a living and tries to have some insurance for you and tries to make sure you got a little air conditioning at night and maybe a little heat in the, in the winter time. And, uh, and you got a daddy that, that goes faithfully to church and a mama that goes faithfully to church and loves the Lord. And then, and then when you get old enough, you want to start dating some flunky that never goes to the house of God, never reads his Bible, lets his hair grow out like some kind of a Shetland pony or something. And, uh, and I'm just saying, brother, you know what, man, something somewhere doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I'm thinking, man, this, this is a messed up picture. Luke 6.39 says this, can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? Now, I want to ask you a question tonight, church, and especially our young people. Why are we so concerned about getting our counsel from a lost world? Who cares what they think? Who cares what they say? Who cares what, who cares what they believe? Man, right, listen, as long as we have access to the seed that we preached about this morning, and as long as we have a Holy Ghost that lives inside of us, and we have a church to come to where people that believe like we believe, and we have a Lord that's leading us through this thing, brother, listen, honestly and truly, and this is not a slam on the world, but I'm telling you, brother, I don't need them. Here they are trying to fall apart. They're falling apart, and yet they're trying to lead us in how to live. I'll not have you turn there tonight, but I thought about this. I thought there are numerous, there are numerous examples of that in the Word of God. I think about Moses. Moses, one of the, the Bible says about Moses, one of the meekest men that ever, ever lived. And here Moses is leading, leading three million children of Israel. Now, folks, listen, can you imagine that? trying to lead all these Israelites and coming out of the Exodus and, and uh, my, oh my, can you imagine trying to water that many people, trying to feed that many people, trying uh, to lead, no walkie-talkies, no, no apps where you could send a notification. I mean, you're in the front of the pack and then, you know, two million later, you can send a you know, notification, nothing like that. And here Moses is just doing his best to try to lead the children of Israel and all of a sudden, you know what? A man by the name of Korah comes up. And Korah says, now, I've never led anything. I've never, I've never owned a popsicle stand. I've never owned a business. I've never led anything. And I know you've been leading three million children of Israel all this time. And, uh, and I know that God says that, that you're a man that, that walks with him face to face. And, and I know that uh, you know, you're a great leader. But let me come up here and tell you how you ought to lead. By the way, read the rest of that story, and you'll find out that God literally opened the earth, the Bible says, and swallowed Korah and Abiram and Datham into the pit. There was a man who, man, didn't know squat, and yet he's trying to tell Moses how to lead. I thought about over there in 1 Samuel chapter 15. We find over there a very backslid 
King Saul. And Saul is trying to tell Samuel how to minister. Now, church, I want to tell you what, that don't make any sense. I mean, Saul's about as far away from God. In fact, not very long after that, we find Saul going to the witch of Endor. I mean, he's calling the psychic hotline. I mean, going and uh, going to fortune tellers and, and familiar spirits. And, uh, and yet here Saul is. Saul is about as far away from God as you can be. And yet when the man of God comes, when Samuel comes, the anointed, by the way, by the way, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament was Samuel. And here we find a backslid King Saul that's trying to tell Samuel how to minister. I thought about Judah. <laughs> Judah that is so far, far removed from God that God's literally said, you're going into judgment and nothing's gonna change that. But although Judah is so backslid, we find them trying to instruct Jeremiah on judgment and prophesying. I say again, we're living in a society that's following that same rule exactly. They don't have their act together, yet they're trying their best to tell the rest of the world how they ought to live. And not only are they trying to tell us how to live, but now they're trying to dictate what we should do. Now church, listen, we're not gonna be long tonight, but I feel like some things need to be said tonight. And so now, and so now, uh, you know, they, they always talk about this tolerance, tolerance, tolerance thing, tolerance, my eye, they don't want tolerance. What they want is control, that's what they want. And so now, you know what? They not only tried to say, this is how you ought to do, this is how you ought to talk, this is how you ought to live, but now they're getting really bold. And that's why I'm preaching this message tonight because it's about time some Christian people took a stand and said, hang on just a, just a flat minute. And, and so they're saying, you know what? Not only do we want to tell you how to live, but we're going to dictate how you're supposed to live. And you know what? There's not one thing you can do about it. And so if we want to teach something in the public school that you don't agree with, you can't do anything about it. And I'm gonna say, oh, yes, I can. Now, we taught this morning our Sunday school class, you know what, never, never make disagreement uh, over your disposition. But we did say this, there are times when you ought to cause disagreement over your position. And brother, listen, when a public school system tries to start teaching your kids that things are wrong or right, you know what, it's time that some mamas and daddies clasp hands and go up to Union Grove Elementary School or North Middle or North High and say, hang on just a minute, buddy. Uh, you're not getting by with that. Listen, uh, we know that's not right. We do not believe that. And you're not gonna teach my child, you're not gonna teach my child what you're trying to teach them. Amen. It's pretty bad when they wanna present ungodly books to our children. And yet we're supposed to say nothing. And by the way, I'm not talking about our high school kids. They're trying to implement slowly and surely. They're trying to implement ungodly things into the elementary ages of our children. Now again, the world says, you know what? Uh, let us tell you how we ought to live. And don't you say anything about it. This don't have anything to do with the sermon, but I wrote this down. Isn't it interesting that it's okay for the press to rip apart every president for the last 30 years. But when we finally get a president, who bites back, he's terrible. No, he's not terrible. He's just giving them what they need, brother. That's exactly right. And I want to say to the press, brother, if you can dish it out, you better be ready to take it, amen? 
And thank God, and I'm not saying that I totally endorse everything that Trump does or says, but I am saying this, thank God that we've got a president that'll stand up and say, that's fake news, and CNN is fake news, and that's wrong, and that's a lie, and now, boy, he's just the worst thing that there's ever been, because thank God he is willing to stand up and say, hey, hold on just a minute, hold the cart just a minute, brother, hey, what they're saying is not right, and I said that to say this, it's about time that some Christian people took a stand and said, hang on just a minute, what they're saying is not right, and I've been silent long enough, I've been, I've been, I've not said anything long enough, but it's time for me to speak up and let my voice be heard. I want to expose tonight real quickly and give you some for instances of what I'm talking about. How about this? The world is struggling but trying to instruct us on relationships. Now what's really sad is this, that our church a lot of time is buying into their philosophy. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? I'm glad you asked. So the world's advice is this. If you want to have a good relationship, spice it up. If you want to have a good relationship, bring pornography into it. If you want to have a good relationship, bring immorality into your relationship. Oh, uh, we understand that it's absolutely staged. Pornography is staged. Did y'all know that? We understand that pornography is pure fantasy. It's not real. It's all made up. Listen, did you know there's not a woman anywhere who can compete with something on a printed page? <laughs> Do you know that? And so, fellas, I just want to encourage you, don't look at that stuff. Don't look at it in a magazine. Don't look at it. Uh, by the way, it's time we preach on this kind of stuff. Don't look at it on your phone. Don't look at it on the computer. Don't look at it on your iPad or your tablet. And uh, you say, preacher, that lady's uh, drop dead gorgeous. Brother, listen, if you had somebody come in and work on you for three or four, five, six hours, and uh, you know what? You probably would be too, but that's not reality. It's just fantasy. That's all it is. And understand this, that it's gonna do more damage than it can do help. Listen, uh, at one, listen to this. One in three, boys, one in every three boys now, they tell us, are heavy porn users. But the world's advice is, bring it in. <laughs> Good night. We got to get going here, but I, I told my wife, I said, this world is so wacky. They are whacked out. I mean, all we hear about now is are men abusing women. But then they, they come out with all these movies about men abusing women. And they're giving Oscars and awards and all these things. And I want to say to Hollywood, why don't you get things straight? I mean, do you want it or you don't want it? I mean, if you're going to parade women out nude and without clothing and in and, and, and a, a, a sensual way like that uh, before men, then what do you think you're going to get? Brother, I'm just telling you, man, hey, I'm telling you, the world is mixed up tonight. Uh, we should not buy into what they're teaching. Their advice on relationships is this. Practice same-sex relationships. It's no longer about a man and a woman. And I want to tell you what, it is about a man and a woman. If you don't have a man and a woman, you don't have marriage. You suppose they change the law. They can change the law every other day if they want to. But I'm just telling you, church, according to the word of God, marriage is between a man and a woman. In the beginning it was Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Amen? That's right. And they say, well, you know what? You can practice same-sex relations. Oh, I know, I know. I know that we're dying of AIDS like never before. But we still want to tell you how to have a relationship. 
Oh, I understand that, that right now, approximately one out of every 300 Americans over the age of 13 is infected with HIV. And that by 1998, more than 375,000 Americans had died of AIDS almost as many as the 400,000 Americans who died in World War II. But the world comes and says, man, just do it. It's normal. It's natural. But church, I'm telling you, it's not normal and it's not natural. Their advice concerning relationships is go outside the bounds of marriage. Their, their advice concerning relationships is, you know what? Everybody cheats. <laughs> Everybody cheats. And I came here to tell you tonight, everybody don't cheat. And so just go outside the bounds of marriage and everybody's doing it. All the sitcoms are, are saying it's okay and, and uh, it's okay to go out on your spouse. It's okay to have adultery. It's okay. Uh, it's okay to cheat. Their advice is, hey, young people, their advice is don't wait until you're married to have a physical relationship. You don't have to wait until you get that ring on your finger. Man, just everybody's doing it. Just, I mean, just, just live any way you want to live. Oh, I know, I know that that, uh, uh, that that physical relationship causes a premature bond that shouldn't be there that early. Amen. Nothing casual about it, by the way. Oh, I know that that physical relationship brings children into the world that'll never be cared for like they're supposed to by a mom and a dad. Oh, I know that it spreads venereal disease in an unprecedented way, but that's the way you ought to live. They never tell you that according to the Center for Disease Control, sexually transmitted diseases are at a record high indicating urgent need for prevention. I'm sorry for being so bold tonight, but I feel like I need to be bold. More than 2 million cases of chlamydia, uh, gonorrhea, and syphilis were reported in the United States in 2016, the highest number ever according to the annual sexually transmitted disease surveillance report. Epidemic, this is what they said, and I've got this in bolden letters, epidemic accelerating in multiple populations impact growing in women, infants, and gay and bisexual men. By the way, if it is so normal and so natural, then why do you catch diseases when you do it? One out of every four, they tell us now, one out of every four teenage girls is infected with a sexually transmitted disease. You said, preacher, that's crazy. You're right. But yet that same world comes up and says, let me tell you how to live. <laughs> hey, boys, let me tell you the girl you ought to date. You know what you ought to tell the world? Shut up. I'm going to let my pastor tell me who I ought to date. I'm going to let my godly daddy tell me who I ought to date. I'm going to let my mama who, who went to the jaws of death to give me life and who married a Christian husband and, and, and who's a godly lady. I'm going to let my mama tell me who to date. And, and I'm not going to let the world try to, uh, try to tell me how I ought to live and the relationships that I ought to have. I'm just telling you, brother, the world is mixed up tonight. But listen to what God says. Matthew 5, 28, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Listen to what God says. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 32. But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. Listen to what God says. 
Romans chapter 1, verse 26, for this cause, God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Pastor, why are you preaching this? Because we are being conditioned. Calvary, I am convinced tonight our kids are literally being brainwashed. They hear it every day. And by the way, if you think all they're talking about in math class is math, you got another thing coming. And they, brother, listen, it's everywhere. I mean, it's in the Olympics. It's, I mean, they're, they're trying to parade it out everywhere. It's normal. It's natural. You know what? Don't be narrow-minded. Come out. Uh, I mean, listen, it's okay. Accept it. Accept it. Embrace it. We're not going to embrace it. We can't embrace it because it's not according to the word of God. So the world is, the world is struggling and yet they're trying to tell us about relationships. I thought about this. The world is struggling but trying to instruct us about the home. I mean, their homes are literally falling apart <laughs> and yet they try to tell us how to, how to have the right kind of home. And their advice is something like this. Just let the kids run everything. Is that right? Don't watch the primetime sitcoms, but if you did watch them, that's what you'd see. Just let the kids run everything. I mean, just let the kids get away with murder. Don't discipline your children like the Bible says. Just make excuses for why they do what they do. I mean, you know, a preacher, it's not that they're bad kids. They, you know, they just... You know, uh, uh, you know, the reason they do what they do is because, you know, they've got a, uh, a deficiency. You know, they, they've got an allergy. That, that's why they got an allergy. And that's why, that's why they act like the devil. And that's why they act like a hellion. And, I mean, they got an allergy. That, that's what it is. And it, it's, it's, it's nothing. That, no, no. Uh, it's, it's, it, this is the problem. We bought into what the world's trying to teach us. Just let the children run, uh, run things and, and uh, let, to, let the kids uh, order dad and mom around and let the kids put signs on their doors that says parents not allowed. I don't think so. Isn't, isn't it crazy that we'll pay for their air conditioning, pray for their medical, pay for their gas, pray, pay for their car, pray for their cell phone and then we're not supposed to have rights to look at anything? That may work at your house. It don't work at mine. Buddy, all three of those rooms were under my roof. And I can go into them anytime I want to. That's right. But you see, you see, and the reason some of you are thinking, oh, I preach, I don't know about that. You know why? Because that's exactly what I'm talking about. We're buying into the philosophies of the world. You know, let's, uh, let, let, let's let the kids run things and then, and then let's let mom come next in authority. And then mom runs things and then we just let dad, well, dad, he's just that spineless figure in the house. He's sort of dumb, don't have a clue, don't, have, don't know how to do anything. He just cuts a corny joke every now and then and uh, he just sort of follows mama along, you know, and we tell mama what to do and mama tells him what to do and he just sort of follows her along and that's how the, the, the world says we ought to run our homes. But what does God say? 
Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What does God say? Y'all listen to this tonight? What does God say? Proverbs 23, 13. Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. He'll sound like it. He'll probably sound like it before you ever get to him. The Bible says, for he shall not die. The Bible says, thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. And people say, preacher, I'll have have you know one thing. I'm never going to lay a finger on my my kid. Ask a question, how you doing? How you doing? Well, we're doing okay. I mean, listen, uh, just, I mean, turmoil at home and, and uh, I mean, just, uh, listen, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And uh, I'm just telling you, I'm not telling you to abuse your kids. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying this, brother, you know what, daddy? It's about time you ran that home. And make those kids mind. And mama, make those kids mind. What does the Bible say? Ephesians chapter five and verse number 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ, the head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, (laughs) boy, this isn't popular preaching anymore, is it? So let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Ladies, submission's still in the Bible. Still there. I'll tell you one thing. I'm not bending to no man. I know. I know. You know why? Because you bought into that worldly philosophy. They fed it to you, and you just you just kept on eating it and kept on eating it. And now you know what? Now we you know what? We don't want to talk about submission anymore. Uh, listen, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for. Hey, fellas, if you'll love your wife like Jesus loved the church, she won't mind submitting to you. We'll be done in just a minute. The world is struggling. And yet they want to instruct us on relationships. The world is struggling. And yet they want to instruct us on the home. I thought about this. The world is struggling. But they want to instruct us concerning finances. Isn't that true? They'll, they'll say things like this. You're entitled to stuff. Hey, kids, you're entitled to stuff. By the way, entitlement mentality will kill you. It'll kill anybody. Kill a preacher. You know what? I mean, thank the Lord for any man that's willing to hold the preacher's coat. But if the preacher ever gets to the place where he thinks he's entitled to that, you're in trouble. (laughs) You know that? And so now, now our society says, hey, kids, you don't have to work. They're supposed to give you a cell phone. You don't have to work a job if you don't want to. They're supposed to give you air conditioning. They're supposed to give you a roof over your head. They're supposed to buy you a $175 pair of tennis shoes. They're supposed to. And kids, can I have your attention tonight? I hate to dash your dreams upon a stone, but guess what? We're not supposed to. We're not supposed to. You know what? Uh, The government is not supposed to give you everything. 
the government's not supposed to pay for your breakfast and pay for your lunch and pay for your supper and pay for your cell phone and, and pay for your home and pay for your insurance. Uh, you know what, uh, brother, the Bible says that we're supposed to get out there and we're supposed to work and we're supposed to strive and we're supposed to put, uh, put forth our effort. But the world says, you know what, uh, you, 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 the world says this, the world says you ought to have everything your parents have in the first three years of marriage. Oh, I know it took them 25 years to get it. But you need to be driving the Cadillac that took them 25 years to get. You need to be driving that in the first 12 months of marriage. Church, I'm going to tell you something. That's mixed up. The world says you ought to be drowning in debt. Just keep on borrowing and keep on borrowing and keep on borrowing. And that way what will happen is you'll have to work all the time and you'll have to work so much that you can just prioritize God right out of your life. And somebody says, preacher, I got to work on Sunday. Why do you have to work on Sunday? I got so many payments. That's what I'm talking about. But what does the Bible say? Lamentations chapter three, verse 27. The Bible said it is good for, hey, hey, young boys, all the, all the young men under 19 years of age, 19 and down, all the young boys, look, up here, look, look at me. If you're young men, Lamentations three twenty-seven. it is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. In other words, fellas, you ought to learn how to work now. Amen. Shame on you. If you're sitting at home and you're a high end when you're 25 years old and your daddy's working his fingers to the bone and your mama gets up every day and goes to a job and you're sitting at home on your butt and not doing anything all day long, shame, shame, shame on you. And I know this isn't good preaching tonight, but I want to say you get your lazy low down carcass out of the bed and go get you a job somewhere. And by the way, if we'd get back to that kind of living in America, we'd be a whole lot better nation again. What does the Bible say? Ephesians chapter four, verse 28, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. What does the Bible say? 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse, uh, verse number 10. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Now, I'm not gonna have you go there tonight, but I wanna read this for you. Now, just really hear me out tonight. Proverbs 6, 1. The Bible says, my son, if thou be surety for thy friend. Now, what is surety? That's debt. If thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, in other words, if you've went into debt, the Bible says thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. In other words, if you said, I'll pay you, you ought to pay them. Is that right? Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself. When thou art coming to the hand of thy friend, go humble thyself and make sure thy friend, listen to what he says, Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. In other words, if you go in debt for something, the Bible says you do everything you can do to work your way out of it. I mean, get up and go to work. I got a sniffle. You can work with a sniffle just as well as you can stay home with a sniffle. You say, I got a little headache. You can work with a little headache just like you can watch TV at home with a little headache. Is that right? Oh, yeah. I, now, again, I, I'm just saying that, brother, we're, we're mixed up tonight. The world is struggling. 
Yet they want to instruct us in relationships. They want to instruct us in the home. They want to instruct us in finances. We're done tonight. But the world is struggling. I mean, listen, they can't stay out of jail. I mean, some of them are making millions of dollars and yet they can't stay out of jail. The world is struggling and yet they want to instruct us about living spiritually. Now, they're falling apart, but then they have the nerve to say, let me tell you what you ought to believe about God. And I'll ask you a question, church. Why in the world are we getting our advice from the world? Now, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one of the reasons, because it's prominent people who are saying these things. How about this first prominent person? Alan, would you play that first video for me? That's pretty prominent. Anyway, it's a gorilla talking, but anyway. Uh, it talks about Listen one of the now. points it brings out is one of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way to live That's and right. that we don't accept that there are diverse ways Listen. of being in the world, that there are millions of ways to be a then human how do you being. Please and, God? and many ways, no, but many paths many to paths. what you call God. That and is her path crazy. might be something else, and when she gets there, she might call it the light. But her loving and her kindness and her generosity brings her, if it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. And I guess the danger that could be in that, I mean, it, it sounds great on the onset, but if you really look at both sides, I there could couldn't possibly be just one way. What, what about Jesus? What about Jesus? Thank God there was somebody willing to stand up and speak out and tell the truth. Now, I'm just, listen, hey, I, I'm just telling you something. If you think for, the wor for a second that the world cares about what you believe, they don't believe what, they don't care about what you believe. Some of you, some of you saw this. Some of you saw this uh, this this week. If you didn't see it, you need to see it. Now, young people, before you before you receive what the world wants to give you, it's important that you know how the world feels about you. Watch this. Anna. He is a hated figure there, actually. He's Mike not very Pence. popular at all. And I think when you have a Mike Pence that now sort of puts this religious veneer on things and calls people values voters, I think we're in a dangerous situation. Look, I'm Catholic. I, I'm a faithful person. But I don't know that I want my vice president... Um, you well, know, speaking in tongues and having Jesus saying, speak like to Like I him. said before, I, I don't know if I want it's that. It's one thing to talk to Jesus. It's another thing when Jesus talks to you. Exactly. Okay, well. If I'm not correct, but no, I'm, I'm hearing <laughs> voices. You know, Joy, as it. You didn't know tonight you were mentally ill, did you? That's what the world thinks about what you believe. It's one thing for you to speak to Jesus, it's another thing for Jesus to speak to you. And if Jesus speaks to you, you're a crackpot. That's what they're saying. Man, you are mentally ill. Now, I, I, this is, listen, we're done tonight, but this is all I'm saying. You know what, brother? It's time that we just tell the world we're not buying into what you're giving us. We're not gonna let you teach our kids. 
We're not going to let you come in and rule our home. We're not going to let you uh, feed our kids anything you want to give them in the public school. Uh, you know what? We're going to let our voice be heard. Uh, we're going to speak up. We're going to say what's right. Hey, it's time that no longer we're pressured by the world. Calvary, listen, this is all I'm saying tonight. As long as we have an inspired Bible, let's just stay with the word of God tonight. Just stay with the word. Romans chapter three, verse four, the Bible says, let God be true, but every man a liar. Listen, if God says it, let's do it. And if God doesn't say it, let's don't do it. You say, well, preacher, you know what? All the popular polls, I don't care what the popular polls are saying. And by the way, if the Republican Party's going in the right direction, praise the Lord. But if the Republican Party starts going in a direction that we can't go, we have to stay with the Word of God. And let's pray for President Trump that he'll keep leading this nation in the right way. But if President Trump begins to go in a way contrary to the Word of God, guess what? Our responsibility is not to President Trump. Our responsibility is to the Word of God. And we're to follow the Word of God. Let this be the basis for our home. Let this be the basis for our standards and our morals and our dress code and the way we talk and the way we live and the way we raise our kids. Doesn't matter what the world says. Man, let's make sure we do what God says. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this very simple message tonight. Lord, I, I pray that you'll forgive us and I mean that, God forgive us for those times when we allow the world to dictate to us the way we ought to live, the language you ought to use, how we ought to raise our kids, how we ought to have a, a marriage, how we ought to handle our finances, how we ought to live our spiritual lives. Father, forgive us for those times when we follow the drumbeat of the world God, tonight I pray that you'll give us some Christians in 2018 at Calvary Baptist Church, and may I be one of them, who'll say, I'm marching to one drumbeat, and that's the drumbeat of the Word of God. We're going to pattern our life, our marriage, our family, our home. We're going to pattern after the Word of God. Father, I pray that you'll bless this time of invitation. Lord, if there may be one here tonight that's never been saved, I pray tonight will be the night they'll come to know the Lord is their Savior. Father, have thy way, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Let's all stand tonight, if you will, please. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. You know what? If God spoke to your heart, you need to come. Listen, the altar is open tonight. Especially if you're here this evening and you say, Preacher, if I died today, I'm not 100% sure that I'd go to heaven. Oh, listen, why don't you come? And let us take the Bible and show you how to get born again tonight. Will you do that? Will you do it? Daddies, we, we sort of put it on thick for you today. Fellas, let's go home and be the spiritual leaders of our home that we need to be. I know some of our young people, I know you attend public school. And I know it's hard to take a stand in public school, but I'm asking you tonight, by the grace of God, that tomorrow when you go to school you'd start taking a stand 
I understand it's hard when you work in a secular job and you've got lost people all around you. Sometimes it's so hard to take a stand. And I want to encourage us tonight. Tomorrow when you go to that job, man, take a stand for Jesus. You don't have to bow your head over the things of the Lord. Let's do business with God tonight. 